we got our boots on and we got some pork in front of us. Let's kick this pig, guys. Consider it kicked, Chase. Well, no, no, no. we're about to kick. Like we oh. gotta, like we gotta, like do it, and then it'll be kicked. So like a forty-minute kick. <laughs> I don't know. What's up, everybody? <laughs> I think what's up, everybody, was you in fact kicking the pig? Yeah, that's uh. What? I don't know. Every week we've started to talk about Chase's intro. <laughs> Maybe I don't understand that phrase. And I thought kicking the pig was the process. Like you start, like the was the start of the process. Yeah. The kicking of the pig is what starts the process. <laughs> so we got to repeatedly kick this pig for 40 minutes. and then No, you no, kick no, you the only... pig once and it runs, and that is the what you're getting oh. it going. Yeah, it's like when someone says, yeah, go ahead, pull the trigger. That's like, go ahead, start oh, okay. it. Yeah, the trigger pulling is the beginning of the activity. Yeah, See, don't... I always thought you were like making fun of, let's kill this pig. No, no, no. no, no. Kick, kick. kick this pig is an actual phrase. I didn't know that. I mean, I got it from a, a movie, but I don't know if it's an act. We can find out. I got Google. Uh, okay. All right. I'm, I'm sorry. I fell asleep for a minute. What were you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I never zoned out so quickly. Yeah. Hey, it's a great day in the Hangar Podcast Studio where uh, the three of us together rambling on about life, trying to figure out what this Jesus movement is all about, how to be a man today. Um, I feel like today we've got a pretty interesting topic that it's, uh, it's going to catch the guy's attention. We're going to get some, to some pretty uh, heated stuff later on, but I'm not exactly sure how to get into this. Uh, what, you know, how do we launch into this t- these things we're going to discuss today, Mo? Uh, crap Jesus never said? No. <laughs> <laughs> he said a lot, but he never said that. <laughs> That's right. That's a good topic, though. I just want to make sure that it doesn't kind of descend into 40 minutes of just picking on the Southern American church. This is kind of something that religion has been doing since religion became religion, just adding stuff on that is unnecessary or maybe even further we're going to say today is not holy that blocks people from getting to Jesus. I think we've all experienced this and that when we're talking with men uh, or sometimes, let's be honest, even talking with each other, we discover these roadblocks or speed bumps or barriers that men are experiencing in getting to Jesus and, and it gets pretty emotional because they start putting their finger on things that they don't understand that actually are part of our religious tradition uh we've all spent time in the church growing up developing in the church some of us left it for a while and came back but this word indoctrination to certain traditions there's just things floating around there that don't have uh, their origin in jesus but do feel super religious and very necessary in order to be a Jesus follower. We're going to talk about those things today to kind of debunk those a little bit, put ourselves out there in a new way to say inside of the hangar, we are not interested in propping up religion. Two, two quick things. We're not interested in propping up religion, and we are certainly not primarily concerned about our public reputation. And those two things very closely follow Jesus. I think maybe lay the groundwork there to bat that around for a second. When you look at the life of Jesus, do you see that he was ever concerned about propping up religion or that his primary concern was to make sure that he had his public reputation intact? I I don't think that you see that at all. He never worried about that. In fact, he had a pretty crappy reputation when it came to the religious people of the world. They didn't like him. It was his reputation that got him killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he wasn't worried about throttling that back. It's just, it's a very interesting, not even a debate to me. I'll be honest with you guys here today. This is settled for me. I'm, I've settled it. But it's taken years of detox to get it settled. 
because what's been presented presented to me uh, for decades are these things that you would assume Jesus really cared about because the Christians that I've grown up around really cared about those things. I'll tell you, these are some of the biggest arguments. I mean, when you go to Bible college, seminary, that's what they do there is argue. But these are some of the biggest arguments slash conversations that I had while I was there were literally about these topics that we're getting ready to talk about. Yeah, so that it really excites me because I love to uh, light off some controversy. <laughs> I don't like conflict, but we're sitting here behind microphones and you know, emails and text messages, those kind of things won't be a problem for me. But yeah, because we don't have a place for them to email. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's been done very intentionally, right? So that no one has to check it. Uh, I think we're making some headway on that, though, aren't we, Chase? I mean, we're, we got some stuff in the hopper, as they say. Uh, we got kind of a website rework. We got a rebrand coming up. I'm pretty excited about that. I know our uh, fellow hangar man, Luke Campbell, is making some progress on that, right? Uh, yeah. Did <laughs> 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 anybody see that bus pass by? Chase just looked up from his phone. What is Ben talking about? <laughs> this was not part of the docket. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to the topic. I don't know why I went, went off on that. But back to the topic. I, I just think for me personally, if you want to really get me in this uh, being stuck to my past kind of quagmire you start talking to me about these particular look it up quagmire it's a real word i was just gonna say giggity and <laughs> but i don't watch that show because i'm a good christian man yeah, exactly that's the Ooh. sort of crap that is the sort of crap that we're trying to attack today to say look let's just cut it all right let's actually talk about these things that end up existing in these kind of dark corners of men's movements and people get really upset about them and you know I I have actually responded to emails about some of these topics we're going to talk about today but I think we have to establish the foundation that we are as hangar men even in these topics trying to follow Jesus Christ as closely as humanly possible right oh man yeah so if, if that's the case then we can't add on anything that any denomination or any Christian resource has, or book has uh, stuck on to Jesus and has made a prerequisite to get to him or a prerequisite to act like him that doesn't match him. And part of the reason this is so important to me is because it comes down to basically biblical illiteracy. We make these assumptions about Jesus and things that he would be so primarily concerned about that aren't even there and as a result we are introducing men to a false jesus and a false jesus doesn't hold up yeah (laughs) how do you say yes in such a patronizing manner i was just agreeing with you man it's being a good friend over here (laughs) yeah i I get the feeling like i'm the guy that's uh like jumped out of trent the trench and is headed for enemy territory and you guys like hey good good luck man (laughs) but you like cover fire back here like (laughs) mortars send more it's like you're about to kick us off on the topic and then you leave a cliffhanger like you guys agree Sure. Yep, yes. Sure. <laughs> I, no, I think what happens is you guys have this experience like, oh, wait, Ben, stop talking. I, yeah. wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. All right, so let's let's take on this first topic. What, what, which do we want to take on first? Right, the first one I think we should take on is exactly what uh, Chase just brought up. Like, and I don't know what it would go, what, what would that fall under? I mean, I thought language, right? Sure. The use of language, profanity, you know, whatever. Um you brought up that show that no, I don't watch that because I'm a good Christian man. But 
Uh, I, I was I was kidding, by the way. I hope that was understood with my sarcastic tone. Yeah, we picked up. No, on yeah, that. that's right, kind of cool. what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I think that that's a good a uh, good place to start. Is does anybody has anybody found yet the list of words in the Bible that is unacceptable that are unacceptable to use? Uh, no, no. I mean, there are generalities that I obviously we're aware of. I mean, there's there's the whole uh, taking God's name in vain, which is certainly I think been hijacked to mean just one profanity. Uh, there is another verse that talks about you shouldn't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, and uh, we've actually turned that in just to a, a list of four letter words that are that are shocking that mean certain things but no i mean i don't see in there like hey if these things come out of your mouth then you must hit your knees in repentance because they are the things that are unforgivable yeah well then language changes you know what was once considered when we were kids what was considered foul language even to the culture like television for example uh, and what's considered foul language now is are two different things like there are some words that you wouldn't be caught dead saying you know if your parents caught you saying them you'd be dead um and they definitely wouldn't be on tv but now you can see them on tv and everybody's using them when they're not at church yeah (laughs) right so they've lost there's one word in particular though the f word i don't think will ever lose its power and i think most men most people who use this word don't actually understand what it means so uh, my brother is a lawyer, and he gave me this big speech. Uh, you know, lawyers and pastors, they're really great at speeches. But he gave me this big speech one time about what that – do you, you guys know what the F word actually means? You know the history of that word? Fornicate under command of king. <laughs> Did you just make that up? No, it was uh, a joke I heard a long time oh, ago. Sounds really, really – sounds good, though. I was, yeah. like, I was yes. like, really? Yeah, that was that's awesome. Spur of the moment. Very Game of Thrones there. <laughs> yeah. and, um, just kidding. I don't watch that show. I'm a Christian. <laughs> Um, so what it actually means is uh, it's what people were brought to the charges that they were brought in front of a judge for um, if they had been accused of rape. They were being tried for unlawful carnal knowledge. So when you call somebody an effer, you're basically calling them, a, you're the kind of person that would rape someone. Especially if you add the word mother, you're the kind of person that would rape your own mother. So that's got its a root there that is pretty dark. I definitely didn't know that. Yeah, so that I mean that's why that word is kind of if you were to there are things, ways that people cuss just all the time, but when someone says that one, everybody goes, "Whoa, hey man, let's let's that, get a like little that bit." Ch- that changes the whole rating of a movie. Yeah, <laughs> let's get a little control here. Well, yeah, them that's, fighting words. That's the reason because because the meaning behind the word, and I think part of this discussion was we're talking about language. We've really got we've got to get down to the meaning behind the word because we have to call call this into the hangar space right now when i sit down with men and when we all sit down with men it's not not just me when i uh, we sit down with men the language that is exchanged at some over some cups of coffee dinner uh around a campfire it would make people blush the language that is used there i mean we, we can all acknowledge that right um the what is the reason I'm going to ask this. I think I know the answer. What is the reason why their profanity picks up when men are talking to men about their stories? Emphasis? I don't know. I mean, I think that there's just this. I remember once being told that maybe that cussing wasn't wrong, but there are more intelligent ways to communicate your ideas. Um, I don't know how 
100% I agree with that. I think there's creative ways to use cussing. I've heard some people use it really poorly. You know, they're just right. no Ernest good. Hemingway cussed all the time, and he's like the <laughs> smartest writer ever. Yeah, yeah, they're not very they're, – they're people who try to cuss and just suck at it, you know. Um, but I don't know. When, I, when I, you sit around with a group of guys and – you and those words come out in conversation they're usually used to emphasize the um the just the weight of the situation or i mean even in humor it emphasizes that point of humor where you know it it just kind of takes it to a whole new level i think i mean it's just personally so if a guy if a guy comes up to you and and he says something um you know i i I don't know exactly an, an idea of what to say but you know he used the f word for example um in conversation you know that the conversation is taking a turn towards something serious he is emotionally um he's emotionally connected to this topic in some way whether it's like pissed off at it or you know or just like man this is pretty deep i'm going to use this word to because there's no really other way that i can express how how deep this is. That's why when people are just throwing that word around, even among people who don't even care about language, when they're just throwing it around, around like every other word, they're like, whoa, you know, what do you... <laughs> like I think, that? yeah, I think that offends me more. When I see people using profanity, words that are profane in a careless way, I, I, I say uh, in my mind, I say, you're, you're using that, you're sending all these signals that this is serious, but you're using it like a child, you know? So I, I sit down with men, and these are these are literal literal quotes that I hear. I sit down with men, and we'll you know we get just past the appetizer, and I can tell they give this pause, and then they look me dead in the eye, and they say, "Man, I fucked up." And I'm like, "You know what? I understand what you mean, and I understand this is serious, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lock eyes with you, and we're gonna have this conversation, and I want to figure out what you mean when you said that, because what I know about that word is you've signaled that you have royally messed up and you're experiencing guilt and shame I I automatically understand through the use of that one word what that man means and we get on the same page about it now we don't we don't continue over our meal just cussing a blue streak the signal has been sent and I know exactly where we are and and I think we also need to talk about this guys who have been following Jesus for for quite a while they've learned a lot of stuff about themselves they've learned how to navigate through their emotional Uh, bank there and they've learned how to express themselves perhaps in different ways maybe more intelligently maybe more accurately instead of just throwing out these generalities but here's something i am never ever ever going to do take a man who has sent that signal through that word or or any other words and start talking to him about his profane talk and the coarse language that's coming out of his mouth. What I'm going to do is receive where that guy is emotionally and continue to have that conversation. And in fact, later on in the conversation, I will probably use profanity to calm him down or to comfort him. I'm I'm using it as a tool to be able to send a signal to to this other man, you're in a safe place here. Can I push against you purely because I want to hear the response you're going to give? Sure. So we're saying that versions of profane talk are okay right yes but you're gonna have me bleep what you just said why 
Yes, because culturally, there are certain filters that, and look, there, there are all kinds of things that are exchanged within the masculine conversation that just don't go public. They shouldn't go public. They're meant to happen inside of a circle of men, you know, and I would even say a circle of women. To get directly to your answer, uh, there are certain men who are listening to this that won't hear the rest of our message if we don't bleep that word. There's a filter that iTunes puts in place that would label us as, as explicit, and I don't want to limit our audience by taking this out so public and, and not bleeping that word. It isn't through shame or fear. It's intelligent. Well, I think part of that answer also goes back to the intelligent use of the word. Part of the intelligence isn't not necessarily only or limited to knowing the definition of said word, but also knowing the audience. So uh, that, that's that you're around or the people who the audience that you may not be speaking to, but that is listening to you anyway. I think about one of the lessons in shooting that I learned was you are responsible for where your bullet goes even past your target. So if you are going to discharge your firearm, you need to be sure that whatever happens behind that fire behind that that fired shot is also your responsibility. So are you going to take that shot towards your target? and knowingly risk the life of a person who's behind that person, for example, right? I use that, and I know that it's not as, as, as serious as that, but the concept is there. Are you going to use these words that are knowingly going to offend the people around you, right? I mean, it, it, I think part of us, you know, part of, part of what we do as Christians, as professional Christians, if you will, quote, um, is also take into consideration the people that we're around. You know, we bleep that word because, like you said, is when we say that word, it's going to cut us off from being able to communicate with a certain group of people, a certain person who who has a, a presupposition about what the Christian should do or shouldn't do. Um, but it doesn't necessarily make that exchange wrong. But being intelligent would be, well, I need to make sure that if I say this, it's not going to it's not going to discredit me from this other guy too. You know, and some of that is just, you know what? I don't really give a crap about what you think about me because this guy is more important to me. But if I'm going to stand up in front of a group of people, I'm not going to just throw that word out there or throw these words out there flippantly so that I could, um, you know, alienate half of the audience, for example. So, I mean, part of the intelligence is knowing the context in which you're speaking and knowing when it is appropriate to use certain types of language. Like I wouldn't say balls in, in, in front of a group of women. You know what I mean? Unless I know that it's someone that they're just going to get a kick out of it and they're not going to think anything of it. You know, I'm not going to just start throwing those words out there so that I can, you know, and I mean, that's not even a cuss word. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if I, if I just throw something like that out, that's going to be just crass. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. just no, there's no sense in that. That's just being an asshole. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He waited a while. Do but I have to bleep that one? Yeah, I think you do. But uh, I'm proud of him for the delay. It took do I, him a do while. I, do I get to do it like TV where you only bleep the whole part? Because it's not a bad word to <laughs> but, uh, add. That, that's going to be that's going to be up to you. But so while we're cussing here, I just want to give an example to <laughs> to emphasize my point. Uh, if I'm sitting across from a hangar man and he he just spends 45 minutes beating around the bush about, well, I'm just feeling kind of down, or you know, I'm a little gloomy, or things are kind of overwhelming at work right now we could have that conversation and it would be a surface conversation uh but if he sits across from me and usually they don't i have to call this out i say this to men a lot uh you are not the piece of shit that you think you are 
That's what we need to talk about. We don't need to talk about you're overwhelmed at work, how gloomy you are, how difficult things are. How you view yourself is refuse. You see yourself as feces. That's what we need to talk about. Your self-regard is so low, there's no real other way for me to communicate that to you in a way that you will understand other than that phrase. Yeah, because if you say poopy... You've lost him. Yeah, you've you've lost him. Yeah, so you pick I mean, up your caramel mo- macchiato and get out of there. <laughs> you are not the piece of caca you think you are. I am taking my pumpkin spice latte, <laughs> and I'm headed to my four door sedan. <laughs> I am uh, getting in my Prius and going home, sir. Yeah. So what I, I guess what I'm trying to do because I know there are going to be men and women listening that love Jesus that are just having a panic attack right now that are pushing back pushing back against this. And I, I do want to say this. I'm very comfortable with people disagreeing with me. I don't have to have everyone agree with me. All that I'm saying is in the position in my life that God has put me in, that Jesus has placed me in, with the work that Jesus has done in my heart and in my story, this is the way that he has instructed me to sit with broken people. And I'm comfortable with that. And I'm checking with him often about that. I've been mocked for even that phrase. So I want to clarify that just a little bit. I am taking my cues from Jesus Christ, not from the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, and I look. Ooh, oh, 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 my God. That well, yes. was awesome. <laughs> so I, I was trying to say something. and then just, Everybody okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, no, good, was, we're good. I didn't think you'd drop it, but uh, yeah. there it went. Nice. Me too, <laughs> sir. Um, oh. Well, I, I think... Uh, I was I was gonna say something, but I just totally lost it, man. <laughs> All right, so I think we've probably we've satisfied uh, yeah, the debate I think here. Need to move off yeah, we've satisfied satisfied the in. debate on language. So let's move to alcohol. Let's move. Uh, <laughs> Not even a tea. Just like no. All right, next. <laughs> let's move. Uh, let's move specifically uh, to beer, to alcohol specifically. One thing I do want to lead out with, and Mo, you and I had about maybe a two-hour discussion on this in our teaching team meeting a couple of weeks ago. But the fact that again, trying to align ourselves with the type of man that Jesus was with broken people. By the way, Jesus never sinned. Mm. Never sinned. We can all align on that. Um, and we don't need to go into the whole story, but there, Jesus chooses to show his power. Actually, he didn't choose to show us. His mom chose for him to show his power at a wedding one day. He manufactures supernaturally 150 gallons of the best wine imaginable for a feast where people are already drunk and are going to get more drunk based on what he provided. We do know that Jesus used a glass of wine one of his last nights on earth where he's saying, hey, this represents my covenant with you. And many people have explained that away, but I think we need to talk about alcohol very directly because as hangar men, we do drink beer together. And we need to be able to, I won't say defend ourselves, but we need to be able to explain ourselves why we do not feel that alcohol represents a barrier between ourselves and a life following Jesus. Who, who wants to take that first? I will. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm, I think that, see, the thing that I have a problem with is people, religious people, I've had this conversation a lot because I couldn't understand why I had to sign a piece of paper to go to college that says I wouldn't consume alcohol. Um, because I, I mean, I have in my past struggled with only being able to have one drink. If I were to have a drink, it would be, you know, if I had one, I had 20, I would just nonstop. I just throw them back because I, 
you know, that's just the way I did it. I would just, until I was unable to <laughs> function. Uh, Were you taught properly. that? Just, I don't mean to interrupt, but I do mean to interrupt. Were you taught that is the way to consume alcohol or shown that? Um, no, not as a child. See, I was actually raised with a father who had no problem having a beer or two at the end of the night. In fact, he would let me have a sip, you know, if I asked. And his attempts to teach me to respect it and, and use it properly. Um, he was like, hand me your pacifier. You know? <laughs> take a sip of the beer. Uh, I downed an entire can of beer at one, by the way. Fun story. <laughs> that's impressive. Um, Did you really? Because yeah. it's hard to do as, as an adult. Fantastic, man. Yeah. Wow. I stole it from the picnic table and no one knew. <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> the old picnic table trick. Yeah. <laughs> they found me in the living room. <laughs> yeah, That's funny. Um, well, it explains a lot too. <laughs> so the, uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, so no, my dad, and, and when I talked to him about it, as I would get older, uh, I can remember a time when I did actually, uh, one of the very few times that I got drunk as a, as a teenager, I didn't, I didn't party a lot when I was a teenager. You were big into sports, um, right? You right. Didn't, okay. Uh, but there was a summer that I spent with my dad, um, in, in Colorado and some friends, they, they had no problem doing it and I was with them. And there was a girl to impress, so I took, I, I partook. And I remember having the conversation with my dad after that, and he was like, you know, son, um, if you're going to drink, I'd rather you do it at home so that you can be safe and then I can make sure that you treat it properly and control it. Um, he would not tell me that he would give me a drink or it's okay to drink because it was obviously illegal for me to drink at that age. But he was saying, if you're going to do this, I would rather you do it in a place where it can be monitored so that you can learn how to respect it and do it and do it properly. Um, can you imagine if we approach sex like that, by the way? Like, if you're going to do it, I want you to do it at home. Well, there are a lot of there are a lot of parents that do. I mean, that's I, crazy. This, this actually may divide us even in this room, which would be fun and I'm okay with. But I grew up in uh, an area of, of town here in, in Mississippi that man, parents just used that as, as a smoke screen. I mean, there were there were literally um, just parties that involved um, orgies and parties that involved just people getting hammered. And the parents were right there with all the teenagers because – uh, they just made a loop up to one of the college towns here in Mississippi and came right on back. They were still living that fraternity sorority life and raising children. So a lot of guys use that. I'm not saying that your father did, but a lot of people in my growing up use that as an excuse. Like I'd rather you just do that here so that I can have some. <laughs> that's yeah, that's no. what that turned out to be. <laughs> it definitely wasn't my dad. Um, yeah. But anyway, so no, I don't think I was taught that from him. I think it was culture, society, my friends yeah. hanging out. Once I started getting into the drinking thing, it was very much a numbing of the pain of depression, um, but also a, well, I spent all, well, it, it stemmed from that, spending all my life training to something I thought I was going to do, and then I couldn't do it. I was like, screw it. Why did I abstain for so long if I wasn't going to get there anyway? Right. So anyway, the point was um, I was trying to make is uh, I, I see now, crap all the you guys send me on a side note and you know my mind can't find its way back um gosh, we're just going we're I'm going still to chasing rabbits now we're going to sit here and let you place. struggle though that's uh it's part of the entertainment oh yeah i appreciate that dang it <laughs> so well, maybe you, maybe Chase. this prompt will help where me. were you yeah it was back in you know colorado and now i'm climbing mountains or something i don't know we were talking about alcohol does that yeah help? Yeah, yeah okay yeah. anyway so so you weren't you weren't taught that uh growing up that if you had one you had 20 right uh you you were actually it was displayed for you to be better than that 
but I feel like you were headed into you've you've come to a place where it doesn't represent a barrier for you in your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, well, the the thing that I struggle with when I hear people say it's not okay to do is how a prevalent it is in the Bible. Like it's all over the place, um, but just that 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 just because somebody because people and it's a it's a real struggle so I don't want to I don't want to you know minimize it by any means but just because people have a hard time controlling it it's like we've overcorrected the problem um you know I know cuz I've been there and there's there's a time in my life when I was at the institution where they told me the bible college is what I was talking about where they told me that the reason I shouldn't do it is because I can't handle it and I should stay away from it uh now it's like if I have a beer at the end of the night I'm not I don't feel like I need another one. And even if I do have two, I don't I definitely don't want to have three. I just don't want to. Like there's no need for it. I've I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. I'm not gonna go have fifteen Dr. Peppers either. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like um I think we I wanna address a little bit of this uh, and we'll come back to that. Part of it is the reason why you're you're partaking, the reason why you're drinking beer. Those the reasons are very different now than they were when you were looking to impress the girl or you're looking to, you know, lose your mind or cover some depression or something like that. I think we do need to be clear in saying that there are certain absolutes. If it is illegal for you to consume alcohol because of your age, that's wrong. It is wrong to break the law. You know, we need to address this because we have students inside of our church and students inside of churches everywhere that may be listening to this. If you are below legal drinking age, there is no argument. You can't bring the Bible into that argument and say, well, the Bible says it's all right, so I'm going to break the law. That's not how the Bible works, okay? There are certain people who know because of their history that they have addictive personalities, and those are usually passed down for generations. And you can see the little carnage in your family tree based on addiction and based on overconsumption of all kinds of substances. And I, th- I think it's false when people say, well, my only problem is alcohol. No, if you're an addict, you're, you're going to be an addict on – I've got friends who are addicts. They can put the alcohol down. They're going to pick something else up and be an addict to that. Okay, so I definitely agree with you that we're not minimizing the problem of being an alcoholic, but I do think we need to say the fact that there are alcoholics out there that are struggling with this should not make us say that Jesus says don't drink alcohol. I, I just That's a Superman leap that people have been making for a very long time that I don't think we need to make, and I'll go a step further. I think it is belittling to the people who are struggling with addiction to assume that just because I don't have a beer fridge or just because I don't have a Manhattan when I'm out at dinner, then I'm helping you through your addiction problem. I just, I don't see that. That is standing at a distance and trying to do something that you can control that's safe and doesn't make you get dirty with the person who's an addict and actually share life with them and teach them something, you know? So we're putting this on Jesus and we're saying, uh, well, Jesus would say that we're not supposed to drink alcohol. Well, that's funny because Jesus did. So he's telling us not to do something that he did. That It's just all backwards, you know? But it sounds so holy and this is the problem. It sounds so holy. Yeah, I remember. Um, I, I want to know. I can't remember what exactly. It's Matthew eleven nineteen. Um, Jesus says the the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and you call him a glutton and a drunkard. You know where he Jesus had a reputation of being a drunk and a glutton. You know what I mean? Yes. 
I mean, and, his, and probably all sorts of other things because he was hanging out with prostitutes yeah. and fishermen and all sorts of people that just had everything backwards. He was with them all the time. That's who he was with. When he bumps into the religious people, man, uh, I just got on a soapbox. Is that all right? Hey, when he bumps into the religious people, that is who he has the strongest words of condemnation for. Not the broken. Not the broken. Yeah, so I think you, you said something there, too, that kind of goes back to our previous subject, our previous subject, previous, I don't know what that is, our previous subject, um, which is he uses strong language. He uses strong language there, The en- uh, not the enemy, Paul uses strong language, and then he's talking about being accused of being a drunk and a glutton, he's talking about being accused of being a party animal, um, the, the religious... The religious. What is wrong? What's with going me? on with your? Use your no words, idea. Mo. I think I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> the religious people um, of the of the time were the ones that were causing the most problems for Jesus when he was reaching the people who were far from God. And it's it goes. It's very similar to people around here who the religious people are the ones who give the most scrutiny towards people who are doing whatever they can to reach a people who are far from God. And the person who is far from God is probably not, probably, though some of them, them are, but probably not in, in, the, in the building on Sunday. And it's probably because those people on Sunday are drinking beer but saying they're not. Right. I love a joke one of our former staff members used to say all the time. He would say, we're Baptists. We don't drink together. Yeah. <laughs> like that is very well said, you know. And uh, look, I think there's a place and we need to kind of make a transition to this part of the conversation. What we really need to be talking about, I think, two words, discipline and taking responsibility for your actions. Or two words. Can I add a third? Yeah, those were two words. One. Yeah. Can I add a third Word. Third word or <laughs> sentence, either way. Yeah. Um, others. I mean, elaborate motivation. The reason why, you know, whatever uh, you want to say. Like yeah. we're, we're like talking about loss for a second. Like the others. No. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't understand. Man, nice throwback. Thanks, man. Yeah. Good show. The Hatch. Wow. For our next topic, favorite movies. This is why, you know, this is why I sound like a bumbling idiot on this podcast because you guys go, and you know I can't come back from that. <laughs> well, you had said others. I think you were leading to a really good place there. Well, the point was just that I think that, yeah, we have to have self-control and whatever that other sentence you said was. <laughs> Another word. Let's clarify. Discipline um, and responsibility. Oh, there we go. Yeah, same thing. Um, <laughs> discipline and responsibility, but we also need to have... Um, a clear understanding of what our motives are. Like when you and I and Chase and whomever else in our community that, that partakes in whatever else we were talking about, when we do these things, it is not just to do these things. We are, we are doing these things with the idea of reaching other people. We will go and drink a beer with a guy who needs someone to drink a beer with. Okay, what about the argument? I've heard this argument all my life. Well, a drunk man's never given his heart to Jesus. I don't know that that's true. I mean, I've heard testimony after testimony of people who said that they were drunk, high, ready, close to, to overdosing when they interacted with Jesus and became sober in a moment and followed him for the rest of their lives. Yeah. So there's always exceptions, I think, to uh, absolute statements like that. See what I did there? Absolute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's there's always exceptions. But I do think as a general rule, it would be true to say when someone's hammered, that's not the time they're going to 
right coherently give their life over to Jesus. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, I do remember saying in my sentence, "A beer." Right. Yeah. I think this is this is why I'm trying to. Uh, man, I've just got all kinds of jokes. I'm trying to funnel this conversation down to where it actually it should be, and doing the more difficult work instead of having this Christian religious boycott mentality which actually says to the culture, we're so afraid of these things, we don't even have any self-control to be able to participate in this stuff, so we're running from it, and we're actually running from you to be able to say, yes, there are things, we're going to get to the Bible in just a second, but there are things out there that we can enjoy because God has given them to us to enjoy, and we're going to enjoy those things' responsibility. It is just like sex. Watch this. We are going to enjoy sex responsibly within the confines that God has given us to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy sex as much as possible with my wife. I'm going to indulge. I'm going to participate. But when it gets outside of those realms, that's when you get in a lot of trouble. We uh, All of us read an article just yesterday where the, the man made a point that the enemy cannot create, but he can pervert. Mm. And that's what we're really talking about here, that these things, these people using language and, and alcohol and being able to even say the word sex, the enemy has convinced people inside of the church that we can't even say the word sex without having to give a huge warning to people that are walking in the room. Sex is given by God and is good. Alcohol is given by God and is good. We need to be able to say these things, so I think in reclaiming masculinity, we can reclaim these things that are given to us for a reason and start to educate men who are going on these binges to try to cover other things up. You are using that inappropriately. If I saw a man take a chainsaw and try to cut up a steak at his dinner table, I would say, hey, that's a great tool, but that's not what that's designed for. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to cause a lot of damage to your kitchen table. Let's have that conversation instead of, whoa, I don't eat steak. You know, I'm a Jesus follower, right? I don't use chainsaws. I don't use chainsaws. Man, those things are dangerous. Well, if you need to cut down a tree, if you move out of suburbia and experience life for just a minute, you're going to need a chainsaw. So <laughs> the, the, there's a big difference in the level of conversation, the type of conversation that we need to have, even expressing extreme care for people who are currently caught in patterns of addiction, who are experiencing the extremely negative sides of substance abuse, being able to care for those people without mocking them by lying to them about about who we are so i i do want to talk about we were uh, batting this around before we actually turn the mics on a little bit about how the bible addresses this so if we're not careful it's just going to seem like three guys got in a room and decided to be angry about something or or take a position but mo you brought up um this verse it's actually paul who everybody would say paul is a pretty pretty stout jesus follower right i mean let's just yeah Let's go. Let's go oh, with yeah, that. No, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, just had like a great joke. Great reputation here. Uh, did a lot of good things for Jesus. Met Jesus. Uh, took a lot of his cues from Jesus. Uh, can I just read this? Is that all right? I would. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Dang, that's just. We could stop right there, but we won't because it gets better. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. It's got that little idea of reputation banked in there, I think. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
If one of the unbelievers, meaning someone who's outside, doesn't follow Jesus, far from God, as we say, if one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. Holy crap. How many people who are following Jesus completely ignore that part of the Bible because they want to take a stance and prove to everybody at the dinner table how religious they are? Mm. Wow. Verse 28. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, meaning someone else raised a problem. Hey, there's an issue here. For the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but for his. So it's about the other person. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? What a strong statement. If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. So wrapping up here. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. It's just, I don't know how to say it any better than this guy said it, which is often the case with things that he said. It's a complex issue. We can't deny that. I hope what we've done today is at least bring this out to start discussing it in a way that is very Jesus-like, that is very informed and very educated and not pulling back and covering it with religious bigotry because the end game is let's be honest about this together the end game is is to do what we need to do to send signals to other men that jesus is a worthy cause